Good morning, Renaissance. We will dive into our scripture this morning. Uh, if you don't have a paper Bible, shame on you. I'm just playing. But on the right and the left screens, you will see the scripture. Hebrews 11, chap, uh, chapter 11, verses 23 to 29. Hebrews 11, verses 23 to 29. And it reads, By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He preserved because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. The word of the Lord. Good morning, Renaissance. My name is Lester. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, good morning. It's, uh, you know, it's a privilege for me to be here. Um, please uh, keep Jordan and Jessica in your prayers. Uh, right now, they're in South Africa to celebrate. Um, as many of you know, our church is part of the Orchard Group, and one of the missions and desires of Orchard Group is to plant uh, gospel-preaching teach, uh, churches all over the place. And they have a unique opportunity and a great opportunity to plant one church now in, uh, in Cape Town in South Africa. So Jordan and Jess are there to help support them and pray for them and encourage them, and we're excited for our new sister church over there as well. Um, if you join us for the last few weeks, we've been going through the book of Hebrews, in particular chapter 11, and we've been talking, we've been focusing on just faith. Uh, we define faith, Jordan defined faith as faith is confidence in the character of God. Faith is confidence in the character of God. And through the last um, following weeks after that, we saw some a couple of stories through Noah and through, through Abraham. And we see how having confidence in the character of God, having a faith that has confidence in the character of God, it, helps, it makes us respond in obedience to listen to him. Like, for example, with Noah, to do something that doesn't make sense. For God to ask Moses to build a, Noah to, no, for God to ask Moses to build a boat in the middle of nowhere. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And sometimes God calls us to do things and stand for things and that just doesn't make sense to the rest of the world or even to us or to our friends and family. But he asks us to step out in faith based on the character of God. God also, we saw the story of Abraham where God is calling Abraham to leave his comfort, his familiarity, his security, and just to go and follow him. Where? God just says follow. And sometimes based, a faith that's based on the character of God God draws us out, out of our comfort zone, out of, out of our familiarity, out of our just where we want to be and just stay to a place that we're not quite sure where it is, when we're going to get there. But the one thing we are sure of is, a whole, is the hand that we hold on to, that he knows where he's going, even though we may not. 
but it's, a, it's, a, it's an extension of faith. As we look at the story of Moses uh, this morning, uh, faith responds to that. So faith that's based on the confidence and the character of God causes us to choose things and not choose other things. It causes us to actively respond to God and to, uh, in, a, in a way that changes the course and kind of the, the, the temperament of our lives and just kind of the character of our lives. So because the Bible tells us that by nature we are sinful, we are fallen, we are selfish. All of us are selfish to greater and lesser degrees. Uh, we're not at 100% selfish, right? None of us are like that. I don't, I've never met someone who's 100% selfish. Children are probably the closest to it. <laughs> but as adults, you kind of either grow out of it or, or just hide it a little better. Um, but I mean, that's our nat- natural inclination. It's like gravity. We get pulled down to it. It's like being in water. If you don't tread water, if you don't swim toward a direction toward, to grab something, it just kind of pulls you down. That's our natural setting. And faith causes us to actively respond, to, to move in a different direction, to not be in that situation. And some of us may wonder, like, is that really true? And it is. I mean, the Bible says it, but we experience it every day in our lives. Let me give you an example. So a couple of weeks ago was my birthday, and, and thank you for singing and saying happy birthday to me. It was traumatic for me because I'm an introvert at heart, and so have you guys sing happy birthday to me in Sage is very challenging for me. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, uh, you know, we have a family tradition in, 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 uh, in my family that uh, ever since my boys were four, three and four, like four and five, uh, we started, for their birthday, we started taking them to Dave & Buster's because I hate Chuck E. Cheese. As a parent, any parents here, we all hate Chuck E. Cheese. It's like purgatory for adults. <laughs> it's like punishment. So I hate Chuck E. Cheese. So I said, you know what, forget Chuck E. Cheese. We're going to Dave & Buster's. It's cooler. And there's less kids. <laughs> so I like it. So they're used to it. They're used to it. And I've said this many times before, and I shared with the, the earlier service, please, please pray for my children. And if you want, you can start a, you know, like a, a Kickstarter fund for their counseling service, which they'll need, they'll need later on. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, like for their birthday parties, like, you know, they, you know, we just, it's just me and our, my, our, my family, our kids. We don't invite their friends. Because at four and five, they have no friends. They have no real friends, okay? And I don't want to invite a bunch of their classmates and their parents, which who I don't know, Spend all this money on people I don't know with. So I said, forget these people, right? They're not your friends. You don't have any real friends, right? It's just, me. It's just us, all right? Let's go have fun. <laughs> so my kids need therapy later on, and I'm the cause of that. <laughs> but, so, but, I mean, the reality is but that's, that's our tradition. So when it was my birthday, my youngest, who's most like me, which is why I probably like him the least, um, <laughs> Look, I love both my kids, okay? I love them equally. I just like one more than the other, right? <laughs> uh, because my oldest is, reminds me of my wife, so I like him more. And my youngest reminds me of me, which is probably why we butt heads more. But uh, anyway, on my birthday, my youngest tells me, hey, Dad, for your birthday, he goes, we should go to Dave & Buster's. I'm like, I don't want to go to Dave & Buster's. And so he goes, no, but it's your birthday. We should go. And I knew when he said that, he wasn't doing it for me. He was thinking about like what he wanted to do, the games he wanted to play at my expense, you know, on my birthday, you know. And that, you know, he he represents me in so many ways, and he represents us in so many ways. 
that we have so many ulterior motives to doing things. That it's, very, it's very rare that we're purely driven by a selfless act for someone else, even for the people that we love. And, and the thing is, the default setting for us is to be selfish. And you, have, you and I have to be trained not to be selfish. Because, you know, I was saying this earlier, with, with, for parents, parents, good parents should say two things to the children. I love you. No matter what, I love you. Second thing they should always say is, no. No. No, you can't have that. No, you can't go there. No, you can't do this. Because if you've ever encountered kids you don't like, it's probably because they're the kids that parents have not said no to or haven't heard they love them. They've been loved. Right? You need both. You need both. And so parents, good parents need to tell the children, I love you no matter what you do. Even if you do that, yes, I still love you. And no. Because we're, it's our job to train them and to help them not be so self-centered. Children, by default, are not generally not nice. They're pretty selfish. Like, besides, the, the word that they learn, one of the early words they learn, besides mommy and daddy, is mine. You know? And the thing is, it's not from me, necessarily. Like, I don't say, like, yo, son, this is my food. It's mine. Get your own food. Get your own room. Get your own, this is my bathroom. I don't like kick them out. I don't, so I don't know where they pick it up. They pick it from other, other children, right? And then there's this inherent selfish, like, like closed fist, like this is mine, and you hold on to it so tightly. And it's my job as a parent to help uproot that bad habit, that bad thinking. And faith, when it's, if we just look at the definition, faith is confidence in the character of God. That definition alone basically says it's not in you, right? It basically, you're saying, I'm taking it off myself, and I'm putting it upon God, right? You, you, faith, biblical faith, takes you off yourself, off confidence, about, takes a story about your life off yourself, and resets the orbit around God, not about you. And in Moses, we're going to look at the story there are a couple of things that Moses does and what faith requires us to do. Faith requires us to respond in such a way. So if you look at verse 24, it says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. We talked about this before, you know, through the story of Noah and Abraham, that when God asks us to do something, it's generally not an easy thing or a light thing. You know, sometimes we, 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 like, we get Bible answers, like, what should I do? I'll just... We'll get a Bible answer. Just trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on your own saying and just follow him. It's not easy. We're being asked to, to kind of like question and challenge and think about or give up things that we love, that we enjoy doing or define us. And so just to say, no, just give it up, it's not an easy thing. But it says Moses refused. By faith, he refused to be known as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. And it was not an easy decision. In his position as a Jew, as an Israelite, he was enjoying all the favor, all the, all the comfort of being in Pharaoh's court. So in our day and age, it would be like being in the 1%. He was enjoying good education, good house, good living, good accommodations, good everything, while the rest of his people suffered. And by faith, he had to at some point refuse and say, I can't live like this anymore. I cannot live like this anymore. Moses had to choose whether or not he was going to continue to close his eyes to the problem around him. And by faith, 
When God opened his eyes, he could not. By faith, when you and I accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you and I understand our deep need of a Savior, it opens your eyes and it forces you, whether you like it or not, it forces all of us to make decisions. There are some things we have to refuse because it no longer is us anymore. Faith that is rooted in, rooted in, the, in, the, in the confidence of God refuses to close its eyes and refuses to see only what it wants to see and do what it wants to do. Faith changes the orbit and the trajectory of our life. Biblical faith refuses to go back to ignorance. It's like when you open a package, you can't close. There's, there's no neat way. Like if you ever open a bag of chips, there's no way to like, like close it back again. It's just open. You know, there's no way to undo what you just did. And so faith, once you understand your need of a Savior, when you, once you understand the condition of our hearts, it, you cannot go back to like, thinking like it's not that way anymore. It changes you. See, Moses understood by faith he's going to refuse certain, He's going to refuse to accept the reality that's in front of him because he understands that once God has opened his eyes, that he, under, he sees the world in a different way. By faith, if we confess that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, here's a couple of things that, that he does. That if we're saved by grace, that we cannot live as before, live as before because by faith, it causes us to refuse to accept that we can live comfortably while others are suffering. It re- faith causes us to reject that one person is better than another person because of social rank, color, race, nationality, gender, whatever. Faith rejects that notion. Faith rejects a definition that's been set before us and resets the definition that God has told us how it is. Faith says everyone, everyone is broken. And everyone can only be saved by the grace of God. And so there's no, there's no foot for me to stand on and say, I am better than you. It actually says the otherwise. And the Bible, talk, Paul talks about in the body, it says when one part suffers, we all suffer. There's no point for glorifying one person when the rest of the body is suffering. Biblical faith rejects that one person is better than another, but a person, but it says all of us are saved by the grace of God. It says in Ephesians 2. It says, for by grace you have been saved, not by works, and no one can boast. No one can boast. It basically, as you've heard before, is basically is, look, I'm a beggar, and I was starving too. I found bread. Let me tell you, as another beggar, where to find that bread too. I was poor, just like you. I was broken, just like you. Let me tell you where I found the food. And it doesn't, doesn't presuppose that you're better. And at the same time, it doesn't, it doesn't allow you to hoard it either. See, as a Christian and as a parent, this, is my, this, is, this has been my ongoing struggle. Do I want my children to grow up just looking out for their own lives? Like, it's only about their academic life, their future, their career. Like, their future is the most important thing. Is that what I want? Is that the legacy I want to leave behind for my children? That I want them to grow up thinking that, no, you need to secure your life, forget everyone else. Your future, your life, is more important than everyone else's life. Is that the legacy that I want to leave behind as a Christian and as a parent? And I struggle with it. I struggle with it. And as a Christian, as a parent, or as as an individual, you need to struggle with it too. Faith challenges you. Is your life just about your career, your job, your vacation, your your money, whatever, your talent, your dream, that you got to do whatever you can just to preserve that and hold on to it? 
at the expense of others around you. And if faith has touched your life, if Jesus has touched your life, you will refuse to be known as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. You will refuse to accept and close your eyes and say, I don't care what happens around me. I got to take care of myself. You will refuse that. I do want to encourage us by saying, when we look at Moses and the story of Moses, Abraham, and Noah and other people, we can look at them and get discouraged because like, I, I can't do what they do. But, the, but here's the thing. If you read all of Exodus, and you read in Genesis about Noah and Abraham, but in particular Moses, when we look at Hebrews 11, we're just seeing the highlights of someone's life. If you read Exodus, you just see a guy who made so many mistakes, was stupid in so many ways, was proud in so many ways, and made all kinds of things. And then through all these failures, he changed his faith in himself, to faith in God, confidence in the character of God. And it transformed the very course of his life. And so it's not so much about you yourself, but as we talked about earlier, it's about who you have placed your faith in. You may not be able to do it, but God can surely do it through you. God can surely do it through you. See, many of our troubles, Rick Warren says, many of our troubles occur because we base our choices on unreliable authorities, Culture, everybody's doing it. Tradition, we've always done it this way. Reason, it seems logical. Or emotion, it just felt right. For a lot of us, we base our choices based on everyone's doing it, so I cannot not be doing it. Or, hey, in our family, in our country, we've always done it this way. It's always been this way. Or, you know, that makes sense. That perfectly makes sense. Why would you go into the unknown? Why would you build that ark? Why would you do that? Why would you give up your career? Why would you live for someone else? It's not logical. Or it feels right. You know, it makes me happy. Or it doesn't make me happy, so I'm not going to do it. Faith challenges that premise. And like I said, it kind of like pries our finger off our hearts and our own lives and says, no, it's not about you. Remember, faith is, your life is confidence in the character of God and his work for us through Jesus Christ. It changes it. By choosing to say no to certain things and people, you show the worth of what you're saying yes to. Let me say it again. By saying no to certain things and no to certain people, you're showing the worth of what you are saying yes to. I just went to a wedding last night, and I shared it with the previous service. I, I love weddings, but at the same time, I also don't like going to weddings anymore. Um, just because I've been to so many. And it's a joyous occasion, so I'm not saying please don't invite me, but I just, I'm just saying I, it, it was a long week and I was tired and I, I didn't want to go to my friend's wedding last night. <laughs> I did leave early though, but, um, uh, <laughs> but, um, but I mean, it was, it was great to see because for years uh, he said no. And then when they made vows to each other that are only for each other, it was special. Like a vow like that, a marriage vow to someone, to another person like that, it doesn't make sense if you're like, if he said something like, I, I won't say his name, he says, out of all the women I, I'm seeing right now, you're the one I like best. <laughs> For now, you know? If everybody's special, nobody's special, right? If everything is special, nothing's special. But when you say no to something, because you're saving and you're waiting. Because, like, 
when you say yes to that, it means so much more. It's, it's some, that much more significant. So for my friend, both he and his now wife, they were both saying no to a lot of things. No to their own just insecurities and desires to, no to their own just to kind of give in, no just to a lot, a lot of other people. When they finally said yes, it signified, signified all the more how much they meant for each other. We miss out on that. Faith causes you to say no because you understand that what you enjoyed before doesn't work anymore. Uh, I didn't share this earlier, but the reason, like, what happens is this. You cannot fill the infinite void of our heart with finite things. Only an infinite thing can fill an infinite thing. And so the challenge of our hearts is we try to fill it with, with finite things, and it just doesn't work. And so faith is saying no to certain things. And so if you look in verse 25, it says, By faith, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So instead of being known as Pharaoh's daughter, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he chose instead to identify with his people. He chose instead of saving his own skin, enjoying his own life, to say, no, you're, you are my people. I'm going to suffer with you. Moses, by refusing not to be known as daughter, chose another way of living. And faith, and a faith, that, and a faith in a life that's rooted in the confidence of God will have the narrative, will have the story of your life change. The story of your life change will be less about you and more about what God wants, where God is leading you, about God's people. It'll change it. The bigger message of faith is what faith does to you, not for you. Faith's impact is what it does to you, how it changes you, how it kind of uproots what you thought were once true, not what it does for you, per se. See, biblical faith will cause you to figuratively draw a line in the sand and say, this line is I'm not going to cross anymore, or this line you're not going to cross anymore because that's not who I am anymore. It, and we don't want to say no, but remember I said before about parenting, like, one thing we need to hear is you are loved. And at the same time, you need to hear no. No. There are some things you are not allowed to do. A brother, you know, uh, in Brooklyn, Epiphany Church, he shared a proverb that says, can a man play with fire, play, can a man play with coals and fire and not be burned? You can't. You cannot mix certain things anymore. See, most of the regrets in my life is because I didn't want to wait. You know, you've heard Jordan said before, idols, idols over-promise and under-deliver. Right? You want something so bad, you're like, God, I'm not going to wait for you because it looks so great. So you go after it. And then when you get it, you're like, ugh. And you got a momentary pleasure and you got a lifetime of guilt. Right? And so for my life, the demons and the ghosts in, the, in my shadow and who, who I see around the corner, which I don't like, or all those times, I didn't want to wait for God. I tried to do things on my own, and I regretted it. I regretted it. And it says, by faith, Moses chose to identify with people and not indulge in the fleeting pleasures of sin, just for the moment. Faith chooses to actively engage with the world that we're living in, because we say their struggle is our struggle. Our choices in life reveal a lot, far more what we value than we say we do. Our choices in life reveal far more what we value than we say we do. What you spend your money on, 
what you, where you spend your time on, who you spend time with, say more about you and what you think is important, what do you think is invaluable, all of us, than what you say. We always say lots of good things, meaningful things, but our credit card statements, you know, our bills will tell us <laughs> otherwise. Otherwise. But the, here's the thing. Almost everything in our life screams at us about the paradox, the irony of that. Almost everything we do in life screams that that doesn't work. If you have a friendship with someone, it screams at you and says, you can't live for yourself in a friendship. Right? You can't be the most important person in a friendship. That would be the worst friend you could ever have because, every, because it, you have to do everything they want to do all the time and go wherever they want to go all the time. I might do that once, but if I, once I find out I'm never hanging out with you again because it's a total waste of my time and I don't want to be sucked into that kind of world. If you join a sports team, you can't say, Coach, it's about me. Give me the ball all the time. Right? It just doesn't work. Even in sports, even in teams, any team you're in will tell you it's not about you. When you're in like, work, you can't do that either. You start off at this level and you kind of work your way up, but you can't say, this company would fail without me. <laughs> They're like, no, you're fired. Next, we'll move on. All right, we'll just hire someone cheaper now. <laughs> Everything in our life screams at us that this life is not about you and yourself and ourselves by ourselves. See, as Americans, I think we're at a disadvantage. As Americans, we're, we're told to, hey, protect and enjoy and fight for your individual freedom. That's what we're told as Americans. But think about it. Our individual freedom was paid for by the price of others. The freedom that you and I enjoy, you know, and as we, even as we celebrate Black History Month, the freedom and the, and, the, and the privileges that you and I enjoy now and we'll look forward to more have been paid for by the price of others. It was not just for themselves, but their sacrifices made a way for us. And can you understand when, Paul, when Moses is saying, I refuse to do this, and now I choose to now live with, choose by faith to live and respond differently. The remedy of our hearts, is the remedy of our fallen condition is the gospel. But the application of the gospel is through the body of believers, the church, and by engaging in the world around it. See, going to church and being a part of the body, it, it, like, when you're in community, when you're in like, friendships and when you're in relationships with people, it brings out the stuff that needs to get worked out in you. On your own, you won't really get there, but it, when you're just with people, like, you've all, if you've all been in friendships where at some point you fought with your friend because they did something or said something or you did something, you said something, and it just brought out a part of you that you didn't realize it was there. But it needed to be worked out. You cannot do this alone. And so like Paul, I mean, Moses chose to identify with people because he understood he, could not, he cannot live this just to save his own skin and live from so He needed to be in the world, be in the, with his people around it. You cannot, you and I cannot survive on our own. We are not made that way. We are made to be in community with other people. We're, you know, as our vision is, we're, we're here to connect people to God and to each other. That's what we're made for. We make choices, Paul Scazzaro says, we make choices to trust God, to wait on God, to obey God, to stick with God, to remain faithful when everything in us wants to quit and run. 
See, faith causes us to stick with it. Stick with it because faith and commitment, we talked about this, commitment leads to certainty. Certainty doesn't lead to commitment. Commitment leads to certainty. People say, you know, there's been an expression, love doesn't say marriage. Marriage saves marriage. Love doesn't save marriage. Marriage saves marriage. Because whatever definition of love you and I have changes over the years. It actually gets better and gets refined through lots of conflict <laughs> and resolution. But marriage is saved by marriage, not by love, by the commitment to one another. So the faith sticks to it and resolves that, God, you're taking me to a place that I'm uncomfortable with, that I'm giving up things for, and I'm not sure, but I'm going to stick with it because I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust in your character and in in, in who you are rather than what I see before me or rather than what I can do before me. Lastly, he says, by faith he regarded... He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Moses went from the highest height, being the son of Pharaoh's daughter, to the lowest low, being a goat herder somewhere out in the desert somewhere. He went from being a prince to a, to a pauper. He went from being secure in himself and being sure of himself and, say, you know, and saying, you know, I can save my people and then taking a matter into his own hands and then realizing the mistake he made to being completely insecure before God and saying, God, how can I go back to these people? Who am I? What can I say? He was reversed. He was undone. So what would, what would make this man who was undone be able to do the things that he was able to do through faith? See, for Moses, the ability, the, his ability to move and to obey and to follow because one thing he realized, it was not about him. In the beginning, he tried to change lives on his own, by his own power. But in the end, he gave up and said, God, I'll go, but I know you're going to do it. I'll go, but I know you're going to do it. He also regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ of greater value. See, you and I will only go as far as what we love, and what we live for. If you live for yourself, I'm sorry to say, sooner or later, you're going to find out you won't get very far. And it's pretty empty and lonely there when you get there. Come back when you do get there, but it's going to be pretty lonely. You won't get far. But people throughout history and even in your own families have achieved things that they never thought were possible because they weren't doing it for themselves. I shared this with the, the previous service. And I, when I think of uh, Kevin Durant's MVP speech, he was talking about his mom, about like how, you know, and you could tell by his speech how his life was transformed and changed. He said, you know, like when they made it to, you know, when they, when they made it into an apartment, they had no furniture, nothing, but they were, they were happy because they felt like they made it compared to where they were coming from. And he was saying, Mom, I goes, thank you. He goes, thank you for feeding me. Thank you for giving us food when you were not eating. Thank you for giving us clothes, even like new clothes, even though we didn't have, like you, you were in the same thing over and over again. Thank you for putting a roof over our head even though you're working. Thank you for doing all these things. And he said, your mom, you're the real MVP, right? On, through her sacrifice, not living for herself, she helped shape his perspective on life and understand that it was not about him. Because he, later on he says, I understand now that basketball is a platform for me. He goes, it's for the glory of God. I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but he says, I live for the glory of God. I, you see this as a platform. 
He could have not known that if his mom just lived for himself, herself. If she said, screw you, just, you know, you're on your own. I got to do my own thing, whatever. But through the, model, through, the, through the model of his mom, he understood that his life was not meant for himself because she modeled it. And for you and I and for Moses, he disregarded what was in front of him for the sake of Christ because he looked forward ahead to what he would not see in his own lifetime, but looked ahead through faith, saw that there will be a God who will come down and save his people, refuse to be known, refuse to, to accept the comfort of heaven above, but to be come down with the level of his people. By faith, Moses saw that Jesus would come and embrace our humanity, embrace our weakness, embrace our weakness, and not speak from afar, but speak Emmanuel, God with us. And for the sake of Christ, he would do it. And I love that the faith, I love that Christian faith is not based on some whim or some, some idea or some wishful thinking, but on historical fact and historical period in life. See, the difference for us, like, you know, there's a term, um, fear of missing out, FOMO. As I'm getting older, I'm, hearing, I'm learning all these acronyms. But um, many of us live out of fear of missing out. I've heard this before. We fear like, if I, if I step in faith, if I commit to God, if I give up my Sundays, if I give up my, you know, my finances, if I give up my talents, my resources, my dreams, I feel like I'm going to miss out. All my friends are moving forward. If I give my money, give my resources, give my time, I'm already behind them. I'm already in the minus. I feel like I'm going to miss out. See, fear, faith, as opposed to fear, faith chooses to live out of a promise, not out of fear. Faith chooses to live out of a promise, not out of fear. So when Moses regarded these things, when Moses thought about these things, he knew that it was not in vain. See, what, what we're afraid of is that something is going to be t- taken away from us. But death takes away everything from us. No matter what you have, death takes away everything from us. And that one thing that takes away everything from us, Jesus has conquered. And so why are you and I so afraid to give up? See, we don't believe in a God that... uh, God doesn't ask us to follow him where he hasn't already gone before. He doesn't ask us to do things that he hasn't already done or is preparing your hand to do. He's asking us to trust him, to take his hand, to take one more step forward to him so we can see and experience his great love for us. See, faith refuses to accept the world as it used to be. And understands that this world needs a savior. Faith refuses to save its own skin. But understand because we have a God who did not spare his own son. But freely gave him up for us all. We understand that God didn't save his own skin. But but he gave his life for us. And came out from under it. We can trust him in that. And so the challenge that you and I have as believers is to step out in faith, to take one step forward, you know, and believe that God can transform and change our lives, that he can do things that we didn't think were possible, and that he can move in such a way that, you know, we're just going to be amazed by it. Um, 
I kind of skipped this, but you know, Albert Einstein says, um, I must be willing to give up what I am in order to become what I will be. I need to give up what I am in order for me to become what I will be. Jesus says it this way, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Ultimately, he's talking about himself. Because he died, he provided life for many. And I think it's an encouragement for us that if you give up, if you surrender, if you step in faith, you don't have to fear missing out. Because this life and all that it has, there are a lot of wonderful things about it. But we know through Jesus and through his resurrection that it's not it. The challenge that you and I have as Christians, as a church, is you expect way too little. You dream way too small because your view of God is way too small. But the God of the Bible is able to deliver a people who are chased by their enemies to cross a river that they no one thought possible. God can do what you think is impossible and exceed your dreams more than you thought possible. As Jordan challenged us last week, I hope and I pray as a church that we step in forward in confidence in the character of God and at the same time, we expect and want God to show up in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we confess that we need you, your word, the truth of your word, and the power of your Holy Spirit to help loosen our fingers off our own lives, our own dreams, our desires. I thank you, Jesus, that you gave up everything so that we can have a future with you. I pray that you would increase our faith as a people, that you would meet everyone where they are individually, and that you are speaking to them in different areas. I pray that you would remind them, Lord, as a good parent, as a good father you are, that you love us unconditionally, that you love us no matter what we do or what we don't do, how well we did or how badly we've done. You love us. And Lord, when you do tell us no, it's not because you don't love us or want to take away from us. Lord, but because you care for us and you are carefully and lovingly crafting our lives, shaping our lives to enjoy greater and bigger things. So increase our faith as a people, as a church, as individuals. Challenge us and help us to respond in faith to you. Let us live more like you, Jesus but give us the courage to do so. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.